And welcome, it's another Joshi 2010s episode. I am your host, JD, with Kay. Yeah, here I am. More yeah. Joshi 2010s, man. Talk about one of my favorite promotions, JWP. Yeah, rock and intro song we got for that. <laughs> yeah, it took you a while to find it. Look, man, it's very hard to find some of these wrestlers' theme songs. Uh, maybe I should just actually type them in Japanese or something. <laughs> That'd probably be a lot easier. I find that's uh, an easy way to find some of these. Yeah, just as easy as you can find the Patreon, Red Leaf Retrocast, where we have all these episodes two weeks early. And if you're listening later on the Big Egg Joshi podcast, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Also on the Patreon, I do LLPW reviews. You do amazing JD Star reviews. Awesome JD Star reviews. I apologize. I always I always seem to get that wrong. I wonder why. You do. You do. I, I, I have no idea, but they're awesome. And uh, good shit's happening. Some very interesting shit's happening. Those ones. So if you haven't already, I definitely implore you to check those out if you haven't. Yes. Discover the greatness of Sache Abe. Sache Abe, the weirdness of the Emi Tojo situation. Uh, Weirdness. Sumi Sakai. Big big baby face Sumi Sakai. You mean ROH superstar Sumi Sakai. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the one who's uh, recently captured my heart outside of Sache Abe, Fang Suzuki, the innovator of violence, as I'm calling her. Ah. Yeah, you always got a big heavy in these promotions. Well, here today, as we go through the 2010s of Joshi Women's Wrestling, we have episode, what is this, 19? I feel like this is 19. It's 19. Well, I'm going to make sure. It's 20. It's 20. Is it 20? It's 20. Yeah, that's what we put out was 19. Is my my nomenclature all messed up? You are incorrect, Mr. Geologist. It is 20. No, it is definitely 19. No, it is definitely I'm, 20. You're right. <laughs> hey, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> it is definitely 20. JWP Mania 2011, coming out of the Dark Ages. Kind of goes the opposite direction for JWP in time. Yeah, it's super unfortunate. I know I've mentioned this before, but they were t- trending upwards for the most part. They weren't losing money. Parent company fucked them over. And, you know, we get Pure J now. Well, very, very much a hollow shell of what it once was unfortunately oh well jwp as we've as we've noticed it's i mean i like the promotion at this point in time uh this is a lot of fun it has a lot of kind of the jd star veterans you know a lot of they're they're not filled with a lot of the 40 to 50 year olds it's filled with a lot of the 30 to late 30s and then a lot of up and coming uh kind of self-produced if you want to call it that, uh, stars of the company. Yeah, it's... Uh, I think Bolshoi had uh, a sort of a... Because at this point, she's the booker. I think she's the booker from like 009 to onwards. Uh, but she she wanted uh, to sort of have the promotion feel like it used to feel. I think was the the kind of what she was trying to go for, where there's a lot of wrestlers and angles and there's stuff up and down the car to keep you interested. Granted, she doesn't have the Mayumi Ozaki's or Cutie Suzuki's, uh, one of which is already retired at this point, I believe. Cutie, that is. Yep. She doesn't have those people. Though, I mean, she has Kansai, but she has, like, what's left of Kansai and stuff like that. I don't know. Kansai's been mostly kind of situated just in Oz Academy with a lot of the other veterans of that era. She's on this show, and she did make quite a few appearances uh, in there's JWP. There's a reason for that. So. Yes, yes, but she does make appearances in JWP. 
Uh, my first, so this is JWP Mania. This is their, one of their two biggest shows of the year. Uh, I, I, where would you rank the tag league that we just reviewed a couple episodes ago? Third? Because it just oh, returned. Yeah, no, it just started. They didn't have one before. Right, it returned. <laughs> like, the All whole right, concept the, of the tag league. The concept returned, yes. Um, I don't know how I'd rate it. It depends on the year with that one. It's it's kind of weird, because some years it's treated as, a, as sort of the second biggest thing, and some years it's treated as kind of an afterthought. It depends. So here in 2011... Uh, JWP is celebrating their 20th anniversary, and so a lot of these shows have this kind of, this slogan and tagline, pre-20th anniversary. And JWP Mania was kind of doing a a, a number of uh, celebrations, and it's funny you mention uh, Booker Woman, uh, Command Baloney, Commander Baloney? No, Bolshoi. And Bolshoi. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. A weird Freudian slip. I apologize. They're not even the same word. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bolshoi uh, is doing some angles, and the top two matches on the show were about those angles, and I, I really enjoyed uh, what they were, and we saw a big build to at least uh, at least those two. Yeah, also, uh, Bolshoi, so uh, we saw her weird clown get up in this, this show, and... Um, Reason for that. I was... Yeah, so I was um I was confused because I I swear I've seen this before. Uh, this is an old gear of hers, or it's not the, it's not yes. the exact same. It's a re... It's like a replica remation of her old gear uh, when she was Bolshoi Kid. It was like the last years of her being Bolshoi Kid was the, when she was wearing this clown getup. Right. So this event took place on April 3rd, 2011. So we're, we're, we're kind of uh, going at a nice little slow, play, slow, slow pace here in 2011, and I kind of like it. Uh, we're kind of consuming a little bit more. We have a better feel uh, for the promotions. We have uh, a better pulse on them, I would say. It, f- it feels like we're kind of watching them in not quite the real time, but a little a little sped up. You get, catch my drift there? Yeah, I think we're also kind of understanding where who's who and who's where at this point. Yeah, the, the hierarchy makes a little bit more sense, um, making sense of, yeah, exactly, who, who's where in each promotion and their positioning. Uh, this show took place from Cork and Hall, attendance of 852. I tend to believe that one. <laughs> The UK. Yeah. Um, so the thing with JWP was they had consistent attendance. Um, and for the time frame, 2011, that is uh, about just under nine, just what, eight, 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 nine hundred. That's a that's a really good number. That's like most companies wish they had that number of corking. At this point, most companies aren't running corking more than maybe once or twice, maybe depending how good they are one year, three times a year. Maybe we wouldn't see that. We wouldn't see uh, quarter could be run monthly until fucking stardom started doing it like 2015, 2016. Ambitious company that stardom. They were the first company to run it monthly since AJW. That was a, a big deal for them when they started doing it. Yeah. And we're finally starting to see other companies kind of catch up to that. Uh, would you call it a strategy or an ambition? Ambitious, and uh, I gotta correct myself. It wasn't since AJW, it was since Gaia. Gaia used to run it monthly. Gaia they were, sense, they were the yeah. first company to do it since Gaia. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's ambitious. At the time, it's like uh, companies like JWP, which makes me sad that they ended up folding. Were trying new things. They were trying to continue to to push forward and grow. They weren't content with what they were, but they weren't trying to do too many risks. Whereas we saw like Neo was the opposite of that. Ice Ribbon's kind of the only outlier. They're kind of weird in their own way because of Emi Sakura and her philosophies. 
But you see a lot of that with a lot of the companies. Like Oz Academy is just kind of doing its own thing, but they're not trying to go outside their own oh, bubble no. more. They than live they are. in Shinjuku Face. <laughs> They've lived in Shinjuku Face for their entire existence almost at this point. But you get my drift like Sendai. Yeah. It, it, we've watched one Sendai show in 2010. I bet you if you watch one in 2011, it's the same company. It's the same company that is now. They didn't try to branch out. And we see the ramifications of that. Wave. I think Wave's the example of getting too ambitious too early before they had, they counted their chickens before they had them hatched sort of deal. Maybe. I, I, I'm still getting used to the Wave situation, but uh, it's a fun promotion to watch, at least currently. Let's get into the show, Kay. Sure, let's go. It's a fun show. Minami yeah. Katsu takes on and loses to Jeff Hardy. Oh, I'm sorry. Dash Chisako. <laughs> Could could you tell she was a big Jeff Hardy mark? A little bit. She had the she had the kind of mesh arm sleeves going on. This she, hand pose. She still does the hand pose to this day, by the way. Yeah, she does all the poses. She's got uh she's got the the, the like black cargo pants going on. She hits a twist of fate as her finisher. <laughs> she sure does. Oh, don't you worry. Later on she hits a swan time bomb as her finisher. I think she's something she still does now. <laughs> it's very it's very goofy. Okay, Minami Katsu, she has a lot to learn. Yeah, she's got a long way to go. It's It seems like she's not developing... Well, she's still pretty new, so I guess we can't say she's not developing fast. It's, it's so weird looking back at these rookies and kind of putting our mindset away from modern-day rookies where they progress a lot faster, some of them. Right? You see Isobin's rookies progressing fast, Stardom's rookies progress fast. Uh, fuck, even uh, Marvelous's rookies, at least with their basics, they produce and they get better faster. They just don't expand past that. It's kind of weird to have to put your mind back into a time frame where it took rookies like fucking years before they even became decent. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely a way to look at it because, uh, well, first of all, this was her debut match. <laughs> that's why she has a lot to learn. That's why I made it seem that way, but uh, that's an interesting. Because for the other rookie we see in the show too, we see another rookie that kind of goes hand in hand with that. Is what I'm trying to make a bigger point with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. It's, yeah, Aoi Yagami that we saw on the during the tag league. Uh, rough stuff. We'll get to her in a second. But uh, <laughs> back to your point about kind of our our perception of rookies currently, uh, the training in this era, our 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 current era that we're in, the modern era, it seems to be way better. In companies like even like TJPW, Ice Ribbon especially, uh, with uh, Stardom, with how fast they progress to a certain level, and while you look at a company like Wave or Sendai or even Marvelous, uh, it, despite skill, it seemingly takes them years and years just to produce something that's uh, a viable option to be higher on the card, or at least perceived it, uh, that way. Right. I think when I was mentioning Marvelous, I was mentioning more like, they, like the Marvelous rookies get one thing right, and that's their basics. Their basics are always probably the most solid thing they have, and they usually have that pretty early I on. I can agree with that, it yeah. Just, it's just them being, allowed, it's them being allowed to expand past that. That's usually the, the problem here with them. But it's kind of funny, because if you just cast your mind to when I got into Stardom 2018... Boy, Shiki Shibasawa, uh, now Yamaguchi, uh, <laughs> Ruaka's date, Leona Zaki. These are bad rookies that didn't didn't really pan out to a Ruaka kind of being the only one still there right now. She is the only it's one still funny. there. It's kind of funny. 
Yeah, she is. She's the only one that survived all of that. <laughs> well, hell, you can look at uh, Kagetsu, who was on this card. We'll get to her in a second. She debuted in 2008. So <laughs> she's four she years. Look it either. Yeah, she's four years into this point, and you would you would never get like th- think about this. Micah, Sayakamitani, Utami, they're all less than four years, and they just Suzu. Suzu's le- is just a little above two years now. Sure, you want to get you want to go. She's younger, to a she's younger than all of them. She's like 19. She just turned 19. Yeah. The like compare Kagetsu four years in compared to them and. I mean, Kagetsu is very solid, but she clearly still has a ways to go in honing her craft, and it's it's tough to move up the card in the in this era. Misaki Iwata, uh, and I always seem to forget when she debuted. Hold on, I think it's like a year or two prior to that. Let's see, two thousand six. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, two thousand six. We're just kind of she was she was the last one to debut towards the JD Star class. Yeah, yeah. She was so the last we're, class. we're just now seeing her five years later, kind of getting pushed higher up that card she's not she's not at the top but she's finally getting that push and she comes across as someone that's better than uh well some of these some of those rookies that you see two three years in all right so uh i I don't i know you haven't been watching the the star the uh, ice room peace parties and stuff like that but just the 12 year old rookie over in ice room saran how quickly she's gotten better is nuts. She hasn't even been wrestling for more than a couple months. She's already really good at certain things that you would take. It would seem like it would take people a long time to get good at, right? But she's gonna already throw a decent drop kick. She already knows how to sell, where to be in the ring, to the most part. She makes her mistakes, but she has like really good transitions for someone that's been wrestling as long as she has. It's impressive. It's just, I guess, it goes to say more of the system. But I think you made the the comment when we were talking about the Kagetsu matches. Is Mako Sadamura a bad trainer? That got me. It got me thinking because outside of Chihiro, right? Who has she developed to a skill level that's like really good? It's funny you and- mentioned that. There's, uh, it was last year there was a discussion in, uh, at the end of 2020 when the Observer Hall of Fame ballots came out and Satomura was on there, and there was a number of different podcasts discussing Mako Satomura. And uh, to be fair, this was mostly people not in tune with the joshi no, scene right hmm? excuse me and people just not not as in the know as we are right i uh, that's correct but they know who mako satamore is because the wwe right, ties right. at this point in time and uh a couple of them made the argument they go well okay what about outside of wrestling everyone touts her as this as this great trainer and they go forgive me where are all these trainees of hers that have become stars even in the scene and that's a good answer to that it's it's so weird because you have chihiro but chihiro is like an outlying case chihiro was already a, a uh, olympic level greco-roman wrestler before she came hey, into mako a, like recruiting's all well and good uh like she already is, had like a skill set there she already had the athleticism and the uh, build that. and everything but the I think the argument even is like, and we've discussed on this podcast before, how big a star is Chihiro really? Uh, especially well, not as in big the, as she does, she deserves to be. She deserves to be much correct. bigger than and she is. And she's kind of the only one in a fifteen-year span. Yeah, because uh, see, we see Dash Modern Day, and Dash is a good wrestler. She's not a bad wrestler, but she's not a star-level wrestler. 
And even no. Miko Iwata. Like, Miko Iwata is a good wrestler. Well, but I she's mean, not a star. You can kind of also attribute some of the booking to that and the lack of promotion. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of other factors, of course, to do. But even from a high top star level in ring standpoint, uh, I, I kind of, I've always been on the Miko Iwata train that she definitely could reach that potential, but will yeah, clearly just never be there uh, because of that. Uh, it's funny how. Chisako against Katsu and Kagetsu against uh, Aoyagami has kind of sparked this uh, interesting questions to ask. Because uh, I've always I've always asked that. Like, Takumi Aroha is one of the best in the world, but if she's kind of reined in on Marvelous, how big a star is she? Is she a big star when she shows up in stardom? I think so. I think that's kind of... Yeah, she, she, she has a presence of one. Yeah. That's one, the one thing. She always has this big star presence. And that's, I think, one of the big things about her. But when Shikiro shows up on a big show, she she's impressive. She doesn't have the giant star presence. She just has this like impressive beast of a woman presence to her, which maybe is just a different kind of star presence all on its own. Yeah, that's that's a that's a fair uh, critique of it. Where the smaller companies lose me from kind of a business perspective is. You gotta make your promotion feel bigger, and we'll get to stardom as years go on. But who kind of was at the forefront of making that promotion bigger? It was Rossi. Rossi had a had a vision. Well, wrestler. Wrestler. Uh, Alcawa. She was one. Yuzuki Alcawa is half the damn reason why the company was yes. even uh, afloat for a while. I was kind of thinking of was... one more closer to the modern era before she left towards a company. For some reason, you were talking about Mayu. I was like, no, 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 no I wouldn't no. give Mayu that credit. But Io Shirai, Thank yeah, you. Io Shirai would be the one I give the credit. Really had to get there, didn't I? <laughs> well, I, I had to figure out who you were trying to talk about because I think my brain's going to like early two thousand. What we just watched, so like, oh, Yuzuki Kiyokawa is probably the biggest uh, money maker that company had for God knows how long, and even after she retired. But yeah, Rossi was uh, very Rossi was Rossi is uh, ambitious, knows how to promote. And that's definitely something that a lot of, well, people that run these Joshi companies, I think, really lack in that sort of skill. Like, learn from his mistakes. That's something none of them do. It's, it's such a basic thing, but he learned from his mistakes with Arsian. Like, it's, it's <laughs> that's so an understatement. Wild. That's, that's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so wild that that's all it took was for him to learn from the mistakes he made in Arsian, being too, letting the wrestlers do what they want, being too friendly with them, which is why he's become the businessman. And people can knock that all they want, but probably the best way to be is to be distant from your talent. That way, there's no favoritism involved. You're not emotionally attached or involved in anything, so you can book things from afar like you're sitting you look at you look at the chessboard instead of being one of the pieces of the board you're looking at the board and you're moving the pieces accordingly yeah something he didn't do and it's funny because kyoko in is the only other person that you know outside of chikusa that's had more than one promotion and Chikusa's kind of learned some of her lessons but i think a lot of it's just her wanting to keep it more small size but in a way has not learned any of her lessons she's continued to make the same mistakes over and over again it's kind of wild when you look at all of that all right, so Dash Chisako defeats Minami Katsu, I think with a frog splash. <laughs> match frog was no splash. good. It went eight long minutes. <laughs> it was not a good match. Uh, well, it's a rookie debut, so take that for what it's worth. Junior, JWP Junior, and Princess of Pro Wrestling title match, your champion, our champion, Kagetsu, still in her Sendai singlet. Oh, boy, is she it. She sure 
is Blazing Red Sendai Singlet. Against poor Aoi Yagami in her Leo Onizaki kind of trash bag pants gear. Trying oh, to be rough. a... Yeah, she's really rough. We spoke about her during the tag league. She's only... To be fair, she's only like four or five months in. But holy hell, is it rough. It's a rough watch. People call like My Sakurai a rough time. You gotta see Yagami over here. She. Oh god, she, no. Like, like, if you think My Sakurai is bad, be thankful that she's, you know, that you haven't seen like Al Yagami here. Fuck even Leo Nozaki. Leo Nozaki was so bad, she never got better. It's 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 weird because it's like the perception of of these wrestlers nowadays is rookies like oh they're bad but it's like boy you don't understand. I mean everyone everyone starts from a blank slate and they everyone develops differently. Uh, the training does also matter, and I like I said at the top that I firmly believe the training is way better in the modern era, e- even going as recent as I would say twenty fifteen. It's it's just a different standard that it's held to now, which is fair because you want to evolve. I, I'd say modern. I'd say twenty seventeen onwards is probably where we got the most progression in terms of the training. We yeah, start seeing across a lot the, of the bigger across the scene too. Going. Yeah, 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 definitely. I, a few exceptions, but most part, yeah, it's it's almost weird that we are not that far removed from this sort of era of things when you think about it. When you really think about it. So Kagetsu Only defeats. Been 10 years, yeah, so. yeah. Kagetsu defeats the almost shoot fighting <laughs> Aoyagami. Uh, match was nothing. Six minutes. We're starting to see Kagetsu bust out some new moves, though. She's kind of just doing the same top ropes thing that she does now, or she did what she up to in her later ends of her career. But it's so much worse. It's almost so. It's kind of weird because I I know that she's not allowed to do that in Sendai. Right. When she goes to set, when she wrestles in her home promotion, she rarely, if ever, busts that out. And when she no does, flippy she gets shit, caught Kay. for it. No flippy Boots shit. Boots to the ground, or you're running laps. <laughs> no, it's almost like she doesn't hit it because she knows that whenever she does it in a match, she ha- she can't hit it. She's not allowed to nail it, so she gets caught in the air or she misses. It's it's like 100 percent all the time, and it always happens. And it's so oh, sad. Oh, you get you get like slapped out of midair or kicked in the chest. Yeah, yeah, it's it's always like a, a move that she. I, I think it's a move that she wants to do. You can tell she desperately is proud to do this move. Like now something that you new mention for her. it. Now that you mention it, I think there was an Oz Academy or show uh, that we did a couple whatever ago. And anyone who tried a, a move off the top against Kansai would just get batted out of the air. <laughs> yeah, it's it's this terrible mindset. that It makes you really feel for Kagetsu because you can tell she's really proud that she can do this move. Right? But she's not allowed to hit it because of her status. No, 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 no. You're, you're not allowed to hit this move on anybody. Even even fucking Ao Yagami here, she doesn't hit it. She misses. <laughs> it's, it's it's pathetic, really. It, it makes me frustrated because you can see Kagetsu trying to break out of the shell. She does the the yelling she's at trying. the crowd, and she's desperately trying. But kind of like how Andres Miyagi was trying to sort of break out of the shell in a different way, right? Way worse wrestler than Kagetsu was. But her trying to break out of that shell was almost to her detriment a lot of the time. She was always at the lower end of the card, was always treated as a joke act. It's just this terrible mindset in Sendai that I feel like is... They try to keep it so sterile that it, I think it ruins careers. 
Well, who ruins, has come, out, who people's has, who has come out of there within Sendai? That is still the question. All right. You can get uh, to talk about it ruins our self-esteem. That's terrible. Tag team match follows. So now we're getting into the mid card here. And these are your kind of cel- celebration matches. This match was advertised as Sache Abe's 15th anniversary debut match. It's funny because I just watched her fifth anniversary match. <laughs> yeah, that's why I kind of like I saw that and I go, oh, okay. So yes, yeah, it's kind of funny how that lines up. Yeah, that's why it was advertised as, and it's uh, it's kind of this uh, also this JD Star offer match as well because you have Misaki Owada teaming up with Kazuki. Uh huh. And they're taking on Sache Abe and Jaguar Yakota. She is here. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. So Jaguar trained everybody in this ring. <laughs> I think the jury is out on Ohada, maybe. I think that's she was she was out of the company by then, maybe. I can't entirely remember how much involvement she had in the later classes. I know Fuka was training some of them towards the end there herself. Uh, but it's so weird to see all this because so Sachi Abe in my fifth anniversary match, she's being touted as the, the face of the company on commentary. It's kind of weird seeing her here with Jaguar Yakota when I just watched Jaguar Yakota drain a bunch of asterisk wrestlers. <laughs> so it's so weird because I literally we watched this and then I think a couple days later I watched Jaguar Yakota training a bunch of actresses to wrestle. It's excellent. So the match is a lot of fun. This was a absolute blast to see. This is exactly what it should have been where it, you you had, well, okay, first of all, Sacha, Abi, and Kazuki, okay? Look, I li- I'm, I'm liking JD Star, I'm liking your little journey here. I am sick of seeing these two against each other. Oh, I'm so used to seeing them and, and Fang and all that being uh, the mix-up, because that's the top of the card at JD Star in 2001, baby. That's just how it is. Um, It's so... They have chemistry. You can see that they have chemistry. I mean, yes, you wrestle each other that's long all enough. Well you have to good. have chemistry. <laughs> but no, Kaz- Kazuki's a bad wrestler. She's never been a good wrestler. Hell, she wrestles now, and she's probably worse now than she's ever been. It, it, it's it's very tiring. Uh, every chance we get, whether it's in uh, JWP or the last 10 years in JD Star. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. They're, they're just always pitted against each other, always tagging. It's... I'm exhausted of it, and I can only imagine if you've you've you're like a fan, and you go to a JWP show and you're just like, all right, can we do something else with these two? <laughs> That's funny you say that. I'm pretty sure most people watching JWP at this point weren't watching JD Star. <laughs> I realize that, but realize that they've been in JWP X amount of years now because of JD Star's closer closure, and they're still against each other. It's, it's a forever rivalry, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's so weird because where I'm at in the journey, Kazuki's got her own faction, uh, tentatively, with things that happen. And Sachiabe is the, is the head of the, the Sekigun, the home army. It's so weird. Always got to be a Sekigun in these Puro companies. Okay. Jaguar Yakota, little hunched over. She's a little hobbled. The, the the hips don't lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the the hips the hips definitely aren't lying. She's just uh, limping a little bit too sometimes. She's got her kind of leopard print uh, uh onesie swimsuit going on. Uh she's still in good shape. Still got she's still got <laughs> such an excellent uh uh frame of work in the ring despite her 
her age and the state of her phys- uh, physical being. Because she's clearly hurting in some form of fashion. And yet, when she got in there with Basaki Awadake, I was big smiles. I was like, this is great. This woman can keep up with Misaki Awada just running circles around her, and she's beat for beat with it, more or less. And it can she can still throw those suplexes, Misaki Awada, and and she was the other thing I noticed was she was giving her a lot of offense against her. Yeah. So Jaguar still wrestling today, <laughs> almost in her sixties, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And she she's is. and she's still like if you put her next to a lot of the people like in the older guard sort of situation, she's still the only one that can still go. It's hilarious because she's wrestled longer than them, trained most of them, and is still able to go. It's it's such a weird thing. I, I wonder what her secret is. I genuinely wonder what she does to be able to at least... She's not as good as she is in 20, 2011. Well, it's probably right? her style. She doesn't take a lot of bumps. She throws no, she a lot of basic suplexes. She hits the mat with submissions. You know, it's it's kind of like Ric Flair. He just The biggest thing he'll do is kind of do that, uh, do a back body drop, you know, once a match. And Jagger Yokota, I mean, she's not doing the Lucha Libre anymore. She's not doing that from oh, the... Oh, God, though. She can't do she's that She's not anymore. doing that from the early 80s anymore. But she's still doing suplexes and everything I just named. And what's really cool about this match is it's three generations of wrestlers. It's Jagger Yokota with her like late 70s, early 80s style. Sacha Abe and Kazuki doing kind of that late 90s, early 2000s, and Misaki Iwata is the new generation at this point in time, and she's doing a lot of uh, a lot of quick roll-ups. She's uh, flying into arm bars that we're starting to see more of from Ohada. It's, it's, it's an evolution of style, which I thought was really cool. It is, it is very crazy to see all of that. I, I love when you get matches like this because it's, it's such a interesting dichotomy and then you see how sort of the styles of the generations work with each other and it's always very interesting for me uh it's a good match it's a good match i mean it's not gonna be the best worked match but it's definitely a good match i enjoyed every bit of it all right you want jd you want jd booker time Uh uh-oh what's jd booker time all right jd booker time here we go Kay. hear me out and i don't need your i don't need your realistic bullshit here this has already (laughs) happened we know how it turns out Okay, so you had Jaguar Yakota and Masaki Iwata and Sachi Abe. They're all in the ring. I want a blow-off match between Abe and Kazuki being built. Okay? We're gonna again. have s- <laughs> Again, yes, again. We're gonna do we're gonna do it again. Uh they're gonna start pulling at each other's hair. Uh it's all gonna come at the end of this match. That doesn't happen, but JD Bookerman says it did. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. Kazuki's upset with her defeat at the at the uh, at the JWP Mania uh, Mania X 2011. So this will build over the course of the summer, and it will conclude uh, at a September show or something. It's gonna and and so Sachi Abe wins that. It doesn't need to be a hair versus hair match, not a cage match. Just just build up a nice singles match. Build up something. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Jaguar Yakota and Masaki Iwata. Jaguar Yakota, she's like, all right, my career, my career has has wound down enough, okay? And command, command, uh, Commander Baloney comes to her and he goes, Jaguar, we love you. Misaki Iwata is the future of this industry. She's going to be one of the poster children uh, <laughs> of JWP. We're going to work with the other companies. 
or at least the best we can. Uh, we got a number. We got a number of people. We got Masume. She's she's all uh, uh, featured. The crowd loves her. But Masaki Awada, she's our number one. Uh, we want her to be kind of the next open weight title contender. But we got to build her up because right now she's stuck in mid card hell <laughs> or lower. So Jaguar, you're gonna beat her over the course of the summer in tag matches, and Ohada's gonna get more and more pissed. And she's going to challenge you to a singles match at the year-end anniversary show. Okay? All right. And Ohada's going to beat her. And that's Jaguar's role, is to get Ohada over. She could beat her all the way up in that point, and then they do like a 20-minute match where Ohada just beats her clean in the middle of the ring. J.D. Bookerman decrees it, and Ohada will then come out at the end of... Whatever open weight title match it is, we know what it is, and we know what happens, but JD Bookerman says this is what's gonna happen anyways. <laughs> Masaki Awada at the end of it all is gonna go, all right, out with the old, in with the new, I'm the next challenger, and she is going to win or lose in 2012 that JWP open weight title. Masaki Awada's champion of JWP by 2022 at some point. All coming off of beating the legend Jaguar Yokota. And all in the background, you have Sache Abe doing her thing, and you're eventually going to clash with those two. Aha. Uh-huh. So what I'm gathering here is you're, you're, you want to get Ohada booked and, and sort of push up the card. That's nice. But are you actually trying to say you want a Sache Abe Kazuki blow off match for like the third or fourth fucking time? Yeah, why not? It's just going to build a little bit in the summer. They're going to get a nice little uh, cheap little house. out. On it. You know, they might get an extra 10 people in there. <laughs> <laughs> for that rivalry that we've seen through the four the point is four, I'm sick of seeing it. them I'm sick of seeing them wrestle so they're just gonna do one more and then we're done with them <laughs> well, they're, they're destined to wrestle forever buddy don't you don't you no. dare try to change JD fate. Booker man That's says fate. they're done they're gonna blow yeah, up they're gonna blow it off fate. for the fifth time and then that's it <laughs> Never again. You can't, book a, can't book against fate, buddy. It's not how that works. I am booking against fate. Fate, fate is is in my control in this fantasy world that I live in. Okay. Uh, I have a question. So when did when did fucking uh, Mudo? When did he debut? The, the great eight, the great Mudo man. The eighties. So Jack White Coder has been wrestling longer than him. Yes. He's still able to wrestle better than him. Uh, I would say Jaguar Yokota wrestles better than Keiji Muto, yeah, in 2021. I just, I, just, I just wanted to make sure I had that all checked out. Okay. But Jaguar Yokota is also not killing our psyches going to 30-minute draws. <laughs> all right, but she also has a busted knee, two busted knees, and a hip. Much like Keiji Muto, right? Yeah. 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 Well, uh, he's got bionic just just, 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 just just checking my facts. Okay. Eight-man tag, Carlos Amano, Command Bolshoi, Dynamite Kansai, and talk about someone not like the others. Masume, the JWP. I'm really no kidding. JWP uh, trainee. Take on and defeat Hanako Nakamori, Mayumi Ozaki, Tomoko Mori, and Ran Yuyu. 17 minutes this went. This was advertised as the JWP pre 20th anniversary special match, which I will call basically the Oz Academy comedy special. Yeah, because like everyone here is outside of what Hanako is basic and, and obviously Masume are basically like wrestling also in Oz Academy. It's super interesting. Like he, I, I mentioned this before, but Oz Academy 
like so closely linked historically to JWP because it was just a faction at one point that became its own promotion. It's kind of yeah. weird. And you basically got Oz Academy here, <laughs> ready to go. Uh, against, okay, right. uh, yeah, against kind of a, well, I, I, I guess a post Oz Academy Sekigun <laughs> in Kansai. There's never, there's, there's, never Bolshoi, post, uh, yeah. there's never a post. Well, why do you think there's I had like the question mark at the end of what I was saying there? <laughs> Sekigun never stops, unfortunately. Boy, you're telling me. Yeah, this was just all comedy. Command Bolshoi was in her kind of JWP offer rookie-esque gear. Uh, Kansai was coming out with her, I don't even know what you call it, giant collar and globes on her shoulder that she does. That's like been her entrance gown, gear, yeah. coat, whatever you want to call it, for like decades now. Yeah, well. At this point. It's very wacky. Hanako, her. Yeah. <laughs> Hanako Nakamori, she's good. She's good, Kay. She's still good. She's still a good wrestler. She's like only like 34 or something. Like she's still very good. She just doesn't get talked about because she never wrestles in front of people. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd push her harder. I'd push her up with uh, Ohada. <laughs> need for need I mean, fresh talent. She does. She eventually does get pushed up very high. She becomes so we haven't got the part where Risa Nakajima comes back. Her and Arisa Nakajima are the like the only two good people out of this do- their dojo class and the last two good people to come out of JWP, period. Not even extending to Pure J. So those yeah. those two were excellent talents, and I feel like if Hanako got out more, she'd probably be ranked about among some of the best of the world modern day. She's very, very good. Yeah, I'd have to definitely see her in higher profile matches. Uh at least with Just rare these higher days. talent. Yeah, that's very it's very tough. Don't don't really see that. But Bolshoi botches the wheel single leg roll up and pins Nakamori <laughs> after it's all said and done. She, she sure does. <laughs> I don't know. I would have I would have probably pinned like Tomoko Mori or somebody personally, but anyways. Bookerman JD doesn't have the book on this day. <laughs> I feel like this was playing into something later in the year. I, I could be mistaken though. Yeah, maybe. That's very possible. Hanako does get the belt, and she gets massive pushes. Like, a couple runs, she gets up the title. She is very much their big star with the Risa Nakajima when she comes back. Well, not in 2011, to my knowledge. <laughs> no, no, not yet. No, she's still getting her push upwards. That's all. JWP tag title slash daily sports tag title match. This is the uh, story coming out of the Tag League, which we covered a couple episodes ago. It's uh, Hariyama and Kuragaki, our champions, taking on Haley Hatred and Aja Kong. Uh, the story, if you don't remember, was Haley Hatred came out at the end of Tag League when the champions won it and said, I've never been beaten in JWP. I'm a big hoss bitch and I have a partner, Aja Kong. We want those titles. And they go, cool, I guess. <laughs> hey, that's pretty much what it was. Simple enough. Good enough for me because this match right, right. was all about being big bitches and throwing lariats. <laughs> And boy, Aja Kong was throwing more than just lariats. This was the Aja Kong show. Uh, Kurigaki and Harihama were all about trying to double-team them. Haley Hatred, look, 20, 2011 B Priestley over here, She she's fine. I don't have an issue with her. Uh, but her, she needs a lot. Like, she holds her own well enough, but she's clearly not used to the style of just go, go, go. That's not no. She gets gassed. She gets gassed pretty early in a lot of these matches. She gets gassed because it's just too much going on. 
yeah, it's not her fault. She's she's still holding her own the best she can, and it's just a matter of building up that stamina and style. And I mean, B Priestley, you make the comparison. Just look at early B Priestley, her first tour. She got gassed early. It's like you're not used to. You're wrestling in England in a style that's very much more akin to the modern Western style. Yeah, you're wrestling in like anything. a five foot ring, <laughs> and you're doing yeah, they, grapple fuck style. <laughs> you're expected to now run the ropes more than you probably had to run in practice in a single match, and it's it's like it's, it's, it takes some adjusting. I can get it. Aja Konglo decided to, this day was the day she was going to revert back to murder and just blast people with chairs in the head, uh, take the barricade and blast people in, chair, in the head with it, and uh, no fucks given by Kong. She was in a cranky mood. Yeah, she was She was big match Kong and made it count. Uh, the, the brawling was good, as Aja Kong's great at. And Kurigaki and Haruhama, they're a wacky team. Uh, they're hit and miss with me. But they definitely have a style, and they stick to it. And I thought they did in this match quite well. It went seventeen or sixteen minutes, forty six seconds. Kuragaki Joshi rolls Haley Hatred to retain the titles. So that Haley Hatred of not being pinned story is over. Uh, there were some cool, cool, cool power moves from Kuragaki and Haruhama, and even Haley Hatred. Uh, she had some trouble at the end, <laughs> kind of lifting them all up because they're all big women. But, She's clearly tired. <laughs> yeah, but Kuragaki near the end of this match, pulls off. She's She's got Haley Hatred in the Razor's Edge position and totally flips her over, arms into a sit-out dominator. It was gnarly stuff. Oh, it looks great. This 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 tag match was great. I think it, it did a good job building from the beginning to the middle to the end. You started with the brawling as Aja Kong special, you know, start start with the heat in the crowd and beat people up. And then as you go back into the ring, you start getting the sort of the big firing babyface comeback. You get the exchange of moves, the build up, the, the near falls, and then the finish. It's a very good formula that works. Yep. Stayed tried and true to the formula. And that takes us into our main event. It is a title unification match. So big deal. It is Leon's high speed title from Neo. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. So, all right, fair enough. Company's dead. Let's unify these fuckers. Let's let's get a a big match here to go. And Yoniyama's open weight title, uh, which she's had for quite some time at this point. Yep. <coughs> she sure. She uh, she beat Nanai for it. Yeah. Yes. Not uh, 100% on that. I was, trying, I was trying to remember off the top of my head, but I believe she well, did she beat Nanai for it. Yeah, she got it in the summer. That's when she beat Dun- Nanai. Yeah. Because Nanai beat Huga, whom did. I don't think we've seen a lot of since no, that happened. I, no, I, I don't know what's going on with that. No, Haruhama beat Huga, and uh, Nanai beat Haruhama. Uh, it was some combination of that. Uh, I'll, I'll say this ah, up front about the Huga oh, retired in 2009. That's why we haven't seen her. <laughs> oh, that makes 100 yeah. percent sense then. Uh, so I'll, I'll mention this about the Neo belt. The Neo belt has got this weird, interesting, fascinating history with it, where I don't understand why so many people or companies are obsessed with the belt. Uh, if you notice, it's the only Neo belt to still exist and be floating around, even at this point when all the other belts have been retired. This is the only one still lingering around. It's, it is really funny, considering that uh, 
It's the same exact belt we see on Starlight Kid Modern Day. It's the exact same belt. No changes. It, it looks like it's the same belt. It's it's beat it's up like it's the same belt. It's absolutely the same one. So Neo's dead. It's in JWP. It's unified here. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I don't remember, and I don't think I even knew the how Stardom gets the title. I think you told me, but I've definitely forgotten. Yeah, so how they got the belt is a mixture of uh, stuff that happened in the ring, quote, and backstage, right? <laughs> so it goes to Tayo. Tayo has the belt last, and then she goes, and she retires in Stardom. But it was unified here, Kay. Oh, it doesn't say unified. Don't you worry. Oh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't say unified. Don't you worry. You can't do it's that. Not... They're unified. You, told... you can't ununify oh, them. That's silly. Can Listen, you ununify trying... an ice cube? I don't think so. You have to sure melt that sucker. Sure you melt it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, the, the history, the, the story is, is Tayo had the belt. Ice Ribbon wanted the belt. They wanted. They were going to try to get the belt from Tayo. Sounds familiar. And yeah. Rossi, yeah, Rossi decided, hey, hey, I can give you more money. And Anai was in the company at the time, so her friends in the company. It's like, well, my friends are in Ice Ribbon, but my big friend, the one that's looked out for me my entire career, is in Stardom. So I'll do you the favor. I'll come over here. I'll sign here. I'll drop the belt and sell the belt off to you. Because by the end there, Tayo had the belt, and I don't know why it was had to be purchased off of her, but it was purchased off of her for her to drop it. And that's why Sodom owns the belt now. Well, it was made for her, and she probably had the rights to it. No, she didn't it? have the rights to it. It's it's weird. Hmm. It's this weird limbo. It was made for her, quote unquote, but it wasn't. Her involvement with the belt was minimal. Rossi, uh, Rossi, I think had. So this is when Rossi was an advisor, mind you. So he wasn't involved in promotions as in terms of a booker or anything. He helped. Design the belt with Asuka. Everyone attributes it to, to modern WWE Asuka Kana, as we know her. At this, this also point. sounds familiar. So she is always one given the 100% credit for the title belt being designed, but she wasn't the, the sole creator of the belt. They brought Rossi in to help create the belt because he helped create the white belt, and Neo wanted something that looked cool and iconic like the white belt. And that's why they brought him in. They thought adding his name and Kana's name together would make the belt feel important. And it, it, clearly it's important to a lot of people because it never goes away, despite the fact that the company attached to it has been dead for God knows how long now. Well, we know how long. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm just using it as a... Okay. Whatever, a figure of speech there. So Leon, Neo Champion, Yoniyama, JWP Openweight Champion, 21 minutes, 50 seconds. And this is interesting because we just watched a few months ago, actually last month, Yoniyama, Leon, for the Pure J title at an yes. anniversary show of sorts. And boy, this match was way better. <laughs> well, it also has the hindsight of being 10 years earlier than the one we watched. <laughs> yes. They are 10 years younger. 10 years more fit. Uh, well, actually, Yoniyama has her, her, original, her original wrestling style is not changed to what she does now to preserve her body. No. Uh, Leon's hips are, are doing way better. Her knee is not busted in half. Oh, she hasn't busted. She hasn't dislocated her knee yet. Although <laughs> I can see why yet. she dislocated her knee. Kay, there are three moves in this match where Leon was out of her mind. The first one and was she early botched on. all three of them. Well, she, well, two of them she definitely botched. One of them I'm afraid she... Anyways. So this match starts off 
really rough. Leon is really adamant about doing some high flying and some Lucha Libre. And there's a saying where good Lucha Libre is possibly the best thing to watch on the planet. Bad Lucha Libre is possibly the worst. And you can hear the crowd just go, ah, each time Leon just messes up one high flying move, uh, try after another. So the first one is like in the first two minutes. Uh, she does the kind of mid-rope springboard arm drag. Yoni Yama goes the outside. And Leon thinks, I'm going to be in a Manami Toyota this day. <laughs> so she like, run- I'm going to channel Manami. <laughs> <laughs> she runs to the middle rope from the inside of the ring. She gets to the top and immediately slips. She catches herself on the apron. Uh, armpit on the top rope. So she doesn't botch immediately then just leaps into Yoniyama for a crossbody. It's like, okay, almost. 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 About four minutes later, they set up for a... So they're in a superplex position, and Yoniyama reverses, and now she's got the idea she's going to do a code red from the turnbuckle, I guess to the floor is the idea. Well, luckily this didn't happen, because that sounds like someone would have died. It sounds like a very painful spot to take. But it was really cool how they executed it because Yoniyama makes the full motion of the code red and Leon hangs on. So Yoniyama's now upside down and <laughs> just trying to pull her. Then her legs slip and she wants to power bomb her. Leon uh, gets her leg out. She starts kneeing Yoniyama. So Yoniyama's now on the apron uh, midway. So Leon on the turnbuckle is going to be Ray Phoenix all of a sudden. And she takes, she's going to, the idea is she is going to run across the ropes and boot Yoniyama in the face. Okay. You know, step one, step two, step three, knee or punt. Leon goes, step one, step two, slip and kind of crashes and burns to the floor. And you just hear the crowd just go, ah, because it would have been so cool. <laughs> Oh, there was another one where she does it. Uh, she goes to the outside, messes up, and then once again lands on the apron, catches herself barely on the apron again, and then tries to hit the move again. I don't think it was this spot, but there's another one where she does a very similar uh, sort of botch to the first one, where she messes up, lands on the apron, and then just does a knee off the apron. So they exchange uh, jumping knee strikes, probably that one that you're speaking of, because uh, it was like right after the the botched rope run. And uh, Leon gets a uh, apron running knee to Yoniyama. She's on the outside, and Yoniyama's trying to beat the count back in the ring. Leon does. She feels like she's Big E now. You like these uh, references I'm doing here, Kay? I guess I don't. I don't know. What Big E does. I've so never Big watched e the Big E runs and does a spear through the middle rope to the fucking floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah this is the spot where she fucked up and but got lucky enough to land on the apron because she got caught <laughs> no no they go all the way through and to the floor and leon most certainly goes head first into the wood <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah i'm thinking of a different spot yeah, yeah i'm thinking of the one prior to this the one where she fucks up with the knee and everything yeah it's you can see why leon didn't uh is, is in bad shape these days she decides that you know fuck it what's a career right what's what's what's, what's a career what's a neck what's a knee who needs these things <laughs> <laughs> she was she was out to make this a match of the year contender and 
you know, okay, I still love this match despite all the uh, all the all the botches because it was it still reigned in and it was a it was I don't know, there's something weird with me about rawness of matches. I've spoken about it on the podcast proper, Redley Furturecast. I've spoken about it with B Priestley matches. I've spoken about it with EO matches to an extent where it makes it feel more real because no NBA players on the court, you know, shooting a hundred percent from the game. No, no bowler, myself included, is shooting three hundred every game. You know, you're gonna get you're gonna get some seven tens every once in a while, and then it's your job to kind of come back and win that match. And that's what Leon was doing here. She's high risk. She's paying for it in the match. It's not working out. Yonayama gets control, and it's up to Leon to come back and try to win this fucking thing. Yeah, I, I, I like when matches are raw as well, but I feel like it has to be incorporated well. Otherwise, it just comes off a little messy more than anything. And I feel like it hurts at least sometimes that perception of match. I don't want, I, I don't like when matches are perfect, if that makes sense, right? If matches choreographed, everything about it is like perfect, everyone nails everything to a T, I feel like those matches always kind of feel a little lesser than the matches that kind of feel like they, they're hitting and they're beating and they're great and there's. That's why I'm a big uh, big fan of matches where it's just two strikers beating the fuck out of each other. Uh, it's just kind of one of my favorite kind of matches. It's because something about that just feels like it's just a fight. And when everyone's doing a bunch of flippy, perfect lucha, I feel like it just cool and it can be very, very good, but I feel like it doesn't hit the same way. I'm kind of with you with it. I, I like a little bit of grit and, and sort of stiffness in my matches. Well, I'm of the mind I'm not going to bury it too much. Uh, I, oh, no, I, like, no, but if I, but you, I, but I if like you, in my like, mind, look, it's a little bit. Would, if Leon would have hit the, all these, would it have been a better, more higher match? Yes. I'm not denying that for, for my fandom. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that the rawness, I can suspend my disbelief and have it play into the story of the match where things just didn't work out and, you know, it's, it, it doesn't bring it down for me. It's not the end of the world. And I and I, I do I enjoy. I think the comparison I was I was trying to make more in my head was. No, you were uh, telling me the young bucks suck, and <laughs> it's all about FTR. That's what you were saying. God no, I, I think both tag teams are good in their own ways. But Jesus, no, I don't think I don't think I even really like both tag teams I'm as much sure as some people do. Definitely heard you say that. I think it's more so uh, a while a while back when I was first getting uh, back into when I was getting into Japanese wrestling, just Joshi in general, but introduced to other things. I saw the, uh, I think it's Will Ospreay and was it Ricochet? Uh-huh, yeah, great match. It yeah, broke the internet. I didn't see, I, it I didn't it see ruined the wrestling. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I didn't see the match, but I saw like like two, three minute highlights <laughs> of the match. And my first thought was, oh, that's really cool. But I always kind of felt a little empty. I felt a little too clean, a little too, little too perfect. And it, it didn't, I didn't ruin wrestling for me. I didn't think it was a bad thing at all. But in hindsight, I feel like that's because it felt manufactured. Not, not, not in the way like a, like a Walmart manufactured, but more like everything was finally put together in a way that it felt a little too sterile. I think you said, uh, it killed wrestling and I'm very disappointed in you on this day. Okay. I don't, uh, I don't think we can, uh, Bring together this rift that's between us now. <laughs> oh, okay, now. So uh, back listen, to if Yuki Mashiro's gimmick hasn't killed wrestling, I don't know what. I don't know what does. What are you talking <laughs> about she. It's all part of her mind games, George Cassidy style, but Joshi. 
Uh, you should say Yukimashiro's uh, Joshi Orange Cassidy. Is that what you're saying here? Uh, that's exactly what I said. I see. I hear that she's better than Orange Cassidy, and uh, I agree with you. Whoa, whoa. Yukimashiro needs to win some matches. Yeah, yeah, okay. Technically, she's got some wins over Tsukasa Fujimoto, but you know what? We're getting yeah, off topic. Yeah, she beats Tsukasa Fujimoto. Yeah, we're, we're getting off topic here. Leon defeats Kaoriyama. She does make the comeback. It is excellent, excellent last, I would say, 10 minutes. So <laughs> the second half. It's nonstop, too. It's a constant back and forth for those last 10 minutes. It's very good. They were trading each other's finishers and signature moves. Uh, move for move, essentially. One would miss, one would hit. Other way around. Then they would finally hit it. And it came down to... There's a awesome, awesome spot. And the crowd reacted as well. Where Leon is setting Yoniyama up for the uh, a fisherman driver. So that's uh, you get them in a suplex, and you have their leg hooked fisherman suplex style. And instead of you know just doing a up and over suplex like uh, Kurt Hennig, Mister Perfect, you hold them up in the air and then you slam them down brainbuster style with that leg clutched. So Leon is struggling to get Yonayama up, and this is where Leon's uh, fit as fuck frame comes into play because she is fit AF. There's no doubt she got them shoulders, Kay. She sure does. So she's struggling. Gets all Yoniyama all the way up. Yoniyama fights. She's going down. Leon fights her back up. And just when you think, and you can hear the crowd, it's so great. Just when you think Leon is going to drop her, Yoniyama reverses into her DDT. They do like a two more sequences of good, hard-fought uh, maneuvers in the match. And it all leads into the finish where Leon... Finally hits the move. Yoniyama kicks out at one. Leon does a few spin kicks. She's exhausted. Like the first one goes like to her hip. The spin, the the the, the jumping spin kick that she does. Kits her hip. Ah, Does it again. Kind of misses the head. Does a third one. Yoniyama ducks. They kind of look at each other and Yoniyama suckers her in and she's in control for one more move. Doesn't quite hit it and Leon... Gets her into that fisherman driver, but she runs around the ring, spins, and drives her down for the pin. Excellent finish. That's that rawness I'm talking about. You see that in a lot of AJW where they're do it like Aja Kong will do a back fist, and it won't be the finish until she hits it just right. <laughs> so she'll do maybe four of them. It's like, oh, that one connected. It's over. Stay down. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what this felt like. It was very old school style. I loved it. It's, it's weird because it runs you with the Emi Sakura thing as well, where it has this weird, like, not weird, this really good chemistry buildup where it's like they're kicking out of each other's moves. They're kicking out one, they're doing the big power up move, the big power up and, and sort of fighting spirit. And it's super good. Uh, I just love this style of match. I love when matches get like this. Yeah, it felt big, felt important. Uh, two young stars in the company, kind of at the top of their day, at the top of their game. <laughs> Yoniyama's retiring uh, in 2011. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. About that. <laughs> they're building They're building up to it. So Yoniyama drops the title. Leon. How old is Leon in 2011 here? Hold on. She's like in her 40s now. 31. So be like in her 30s. Yeah. She'd be 31, so that's perfect. That's great. Oh, yeah. 
this match was awesome. It's uh, it's still going to be a match of the year contender, tentatively. I have a feeling some other matches are going to pa- pass it by for me. But uh, this mixed the list. I really enjoyed it. It's a very good match. Uh, funny enough, another the only other match that makes the list. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, that's always my joke. Like uh, there, there were some people mad that uh, Yonayama Death Son got like ten points in the five star this year for stardom, and I just go, "Well, yeah, big brain vet, duh." <laughs> right, fucking big brain Yonayama, even big brain these days. You see her? She's big brain. Yeah, and you can tell, uh, you know, Mina Shirakawa. She's uh, she's kind of taking notice. She's got big brain style going on too. <laughs> I'm not saying that Yonayama's taking her under a wing, but I, I, th- I think there's some signs there. So, uh, you know, I, I'd say uh, Yonayama, I think a fair comparison would be she's uh, the Joshi equivalent of Chris Jericho. Reinvents herself constantly. Ooh, that's a good one. Different levels of star power, but... <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm more saying, like, the fact that she's been wrestling for so no, long and has reinvented herself. Both in character gimmick and style, too. When did it's he... nuts. I don't think we've looked this up on the podcast before, but Yonayama is only 40 right now, so she's 30 here. She debuted in 1999. So this is kind of... This is basically the perfect timing for someone to be at the top of their game, at the top of a promotion, being pushed, big star, and... I, I mean, we saw in 2010 that she was a proven draw to the level that a Joshi company could at the time. Right, she was part of the, uh, what they dubbed the Millennium Generation. Yeah, I, lo- I love... She's actually, I think she's the only one of that generation to actually have a career, which is hilarious. I love all of these nicknames on Cage Match that she's got. <laughs> oh, she's got a list of them, and I guarantee you that's not even all of them either. <laughs> no, no, no. Her background was badminton, according to Cage Match. That's funny. Oh, uh, you know what? I don't believe this. <laughs> I, Clearly, her bad her background was uh, world philosophy. <laughs> I choose to believe it's badminton. That just amuses me to to no end. So we uh, got Yonayama, <laughs> Heibio Yonayama, Lee Yonayamako, Death Yamasan, Gokugan Death, Fukugan Death, Electric Wave Mask, Surubobo Mask, and Surubobo. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is definitely not all of them. But there's a few other ones that I can, like, I can remember her having in YMZ of all places too. The her promotion? No, she has her own promotion. Her nickname is the first star of Zushi. <laughs> star of Zushi. Yeah, sure. Hey, mess, did you know she's mess a, with the she's star a big, of Zushi, uh, man? The big uh, Dragon Ball fan. Did you know that? You don't say. The, the she, orange, she, the orange a, get up doesn't massive, give it away. She's a massive like <laughs> fan of Son Goku and, 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 and fucking Dragon Ball. Yeah. What do you think her John Gear was in Stardom? <laughs> well, like it's fucking orange for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, Kay. Uh, let me pull up our next episode. Give the audience uh, Ooh, a little, little a bit of a tease. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. I got it up. Hold on. You can actually see if you sign up for the Patreon. Or at least go to the Patreon. Uh, I believe I have it listed as free. You can actually see a lot of these shows and matches that we're going to cover on the journey. Uh, our next show it's finally, uh, is Oz Academy One Night in Heaven. Which One is Night an, in Heaven. Yes, which is an Oz, Oz title three-way match. Which has a you know those words to together? Those words together? One Night in Heaven three-way match? 
uh, yeah. context if you took it out of the wrestling sense. No, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't, I don't possibly know what you mean. No, no, no. Oz Academy titles of their shows being euphemisms? No, no, no. No, they would never. So, in case you were wondering, that is the Kauru incident. Oh, yeah. So stay tuned yeah, for that We're finally there. We're finally there. Ooh, interesting. There you go. See you next time, everybody. See ya.